Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. All right. Got my mic on now. You can hear me. That's good. Appreciate the singing this evening. Thank you, Mr. Smith, for singing that song. That's one of my favorite songs. I was laughing here a few moments ago before this service. A couple men and I were sitting around talking and laughing. They were talking about this morning's message. And they were like, man, you had so many points in your message. Well, you know, that's what you get when you have a wife or a teacher. You know what I mean? And the thing about her, you know, writing my messages, you know, you got to get all the details and all the, the sub points in there. Because even after you preach it, you're going to get home, you're going to get critiqued about it and all those different things. And no, it's all good. I enjoy that. They're like, you could have saved some of that for this night. I'm like, yeah, I know. But God has something for us this evening. And I trust that it'll be a blessing to you in Philippians chapter 2. We're going to begin in verse number 2. You can stay seated there because I have a lengthy passage of Scripture that I'm going to read, and then I'm just going to give you um, some quick points tonight. I'm going to make it real simple for you tonight, you know. So Philippians chapter 2, if you found that this evening, please say amen. amen. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse number 2. Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. <clears throat> Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for again... Father, the privilege to be in your house this evening. Thank you for bringing us back here tonight, Father. Thank you, Father, for the privilege it is, Lord, to open up God's word. I pray now once again, Lord, that your people, Father, will hear from you this evening, Lord. May we take the Bible principles, Father, that you've laid out in Scripture, and may we apply them to our lives. And Lord, I pray once again under the sound of my voice, Father, if there's someone here this evening that doesn't know Christ as their personal Savior, that before they leave these doors, Father, they would get that right with you. But Father, I ask once again, Lord, to enter me yourself, fill me with your spirit, hide me behind the cross of Calvary, and may you be magnified and lifted up tonight. We love you, 
In Jesus' precious name, amen. So just a few brief thoughts from the word of God tonight. See, we live in a world that is caught up in living for yourself. I would ask you if you know any selfish people, but I think it would take less time for you to tell me the people you know that aren't. It has become so common nowadays. The world is kind of teaching us, it's training us, it simulates us to be in a mindset that says, look out for you. By the way, you read the book of Matthew in chapter 5, and it shows us the beginnings of the Sermon of the Mount for the Lord Jesus Christ, and it gives us the Beatitudes, which are these ways we ought to live. And each one of them are diametrically opposed to the way the world says we should live. By the way, you'll never be a good Christian being worldly. Somebody say amen. You'll, you'll never be a good Christian walking according to the world's plans and, and to the world's goals and to the world's themes and to the world's ideologies. You, you'll never fit into the Christian life trying to live the way the world likes it. They don't understand success. Uh, they don't understand what's right. And they don't understand priorities. That's why in order to really experience success in life, you have to know the Lord. Amen? Man, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I know the Lord. I'm glad he has come to live inside of me. And the Christian life not, always seals you, not only seals your eternity with God in heaven when you leave earth, but it orders your steps with God while you're on earth. Philippians chapter 2, I like to take some time to concentrate on an aspect in our lives that often, if not handled properly, gets us in trouble. It's not just our mouths, but our minds. See, I'm not asking you to, to show your hands, but how many of you battle that mind? Uh, come on, tell the truth. Shame the devil. I mean, boy, you, you're just trying to get your mind to stay in check. You're trying to get your mind to be on the right path. You're trying to get your mind to be focused, and you're trying to get your mind to be to not be all over the place, and, and you're trying to get your mind to stay positive. You're trying to get your mind to be directed in the right places and at the right time and not be distracted uh, by all your obligations, and your mind is where you think, and your mind is where you, you progress, and your mind is where you process, and, and, and your mind is where your perspective lies, and your mind is where your purpose is, and your mind is the way you view things, and your mind is where you approach things. Listen to me. You can get your body as well it can be, possibly, but getting your body right when your mind is not right is pointless. Tonight, I want to talk to you about keeping your mind right. It's amazing that Paul, in the midst of talking to people from prison, now he wrote the book of Ephesians um, while he was in prison, and he also wrote this Philippians. There's another one that he wrote while he was in prison. But Paul says, when it comes to the mind, by the way, unity in the body of Christ comes not through uniformity, which is when we conform on the outside. Uniformity is not the same as unity. According to Paul in Philippians chapter 2, here is the mind of Christ. Listen to this statement with me in verse number 5. Here and all, I'll throw out several quick thoughts for you tonight, but it says this in verse number five, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. Often in the Bible, we see that the world let. Let the word of God dwell in you richly, right? See, that word let simply means allow. And by the way, the reason why the Christian life has a lot to do with allowing is because at the moment you got saved, the, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. So everything you need to be successful in the Christian life, you don't need to be asking God for it. Listen, it's already in you. So the Christian life is not about getting more of God. It's about letting God get more of us. So he says, let this mind. Hey, Christ lives in you through, through the person of the Holy Spirit of God. But here is how the Christian life is lived in the way of joy. Notice that Paul says, fulfill ye my joy. 
In other words, you've been rejoicing in the things that, that I've told you, but if you start living in the mind of Christ, you just won't have to rejoice in what's happening in my life. You can rejoice in what's happening in, in your life. See, the mind of Christ, God, I want to see things the way Jesus sees them. I, I want to view things the way Jesus views them. I want to approach things the way Jesus approached them. They had bracelets and bumper stickers some, some years back that said, what would Jesus do? You know, WWJD. I think they ought to change it to what did Jesus do? I mean, would makes us guess, did we know? So tonight when we talk about the mind of Christ, we're not going to speculate as to what Jesus would do. And by the way, if you spend more time doing what Jesus did do, then when you approach situations, you'll know what he, did, what he would do because you've been doing what? Come on now, watch what he's been doing. See, so what mind? What perspective? What attitudes? What viewpoint of life did the most influential human being ever to grace planet Earth have? Well, I'm glad you asked that tonight. The mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you. Verse number six. Look at this for me. Being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, he had a sacrificial mind. He had a sacrificial mind. What do you mean Jesus was God? You know what comes with that? Omnipotence. He was all-powerful. Uh, omniscience, all-knowing. Omnipresence, everywhere at the same time. That means ability can't change. Eternal, eternality was to come, not create it, but did the creating. See, listen to me. You can't say that about anybody but God. See, he was God, but he was not only God in his position. I mean, he, he was equal with God. God the Father is no more important than God the Son, nor is the Holy Spirit less important than God the Father. See, Jesus being equal with God in position decided to come to earth and that position that he enjoyed in heaven in that very presence of his Father, executing his attributes at will. He was so sacrificial that in order to save you and me, he would not stop being God, but he would set aside one of his privileges in heaven that he had as God to come to planet Earth. Now I'm going to ask you something. If he who was meant to be at the top left the top and came to the bottom to save you and me, if you were going to have the mind of Christ, we got to be willing to leave the top and go to the bottom. What would the church be like if every single member would be willing to set aside his position, his preferences, and his perks for the good of somebody else? Have you ever said, I don't do that? That's not my responsibility. What? I didn't put that there. I didn't leave it there. Nobody assigned me to this. Watch this now. It's not my week. Let me tell you something. It wasn't Jesus' week to save you. He just chose to. That's sacrificial. We have to be willing to give up even the things we think are rightfully ours. And by the way, what was rightfully Jesus? We don't have any rights. Because we came into this world sinners, separated from God, bent towards hell, absolutely lost. All of our righteousness was as filthy rags. The only thing that God owes us is eternity in a Christless place called hell. Thank God that because of his sacrifice, we've been saved. That sacrificial mind. Now look at verse number 7, if you would. But made himself of no reputation. This is a phrase in Scripture that has often been debated. But made himself of no reputation. This literally translates, he emptied himself. Number two, write this down. He had a selfless mind. And some have struggled with this. Because... They contended that in order to come to earth, Jesus had to empty himself of deity. 
In other words, he had to stop being God in order to become man. I want you to understand something about deity and humanity. We can never be deity because we can't be God, but God chose to become humanity. But please understand that when Jesus became man, deity didn't exchange with humanity. Deity just had an addition of humanity. He didn't stop being God in order to be man. He added humanity to his deity. And by the way, while on planet Earth, he still could have all the power. He could, could know all things. He still could be everywhere he wanted to be if he chose to, but he willingly decided to relinquish the use of those attributes. Not because he couldn't or he wasn't God, but he chose not to do it in order to identify with mankind. He didn't empty himself of deity. He emptied himself of that choice to use it every time he could and had every right to because more than doing what he could do, he was doing what he wanted to do, and that was to save us. Listen, that's selfless, and that selfless says, for your sake, I'll choose not to do what I could do. Because it means more to me to want to do for you than to do what I, want, I know I can do. By the way, that was meekness. See, oftentimes, meekness is represented in people, um, or use, people think that it's weakness. See, meek people are not pushovers. Uh, they're not punks. They're, they're not easygoers. They won't confront. They, but meekness is represented in people who have power and choose not to use power. See, where they could use power, and by the way, showing off everything you got takes a whole lot of less character than withholding what you could for the benefit of somebody else. See, he made himself with no reputation. Wow, that selfless mind. Well, I'm God, and yet I'm going to walk amongst people that I have made myself and choose to walk among them as if I'm one of them when I actually created them. You ever seen that show, Undercover Boss? I mean, it seems that the premises is the owner of the company makes himself look like one of the workers and, and of the company. He disguises himself, and he finds out how people will treat him if they don't know who him is. You know what Jesus did when he came to earth? The boss worked alongside the employees. You hear me now? I mean, the one that owned the company decided to work for the company so that the workers of the company could realize that he loved them that much. Listen to me. I think sometimes we're more concerned about doing what's best for us than doing what's best for other people. He was a guy with a sacrificial mind and a selfless mind. He took upon him a form of a serpent, or servants. Number three, write this down. He was a God with a servant's mind. He was a God with a servant's mind. I want you to know he had all the power in his hand. But those same hands that turned water into wine, he multiplied five loaves and two vicious. Uh, the same hand that touched the leopard and cleansed him. The same man that gave sight to a blind man. It's the same hands that took that basin and took that towel and he washed the disciples' feet. See, the greatest of these is a servant. Where are the servants in 2022? Everyone wants to be a spectacular and everybody wants to flaunt status. The mind of Christ is servant's mind. We're almost done. Look with me if you would. I want you to see something that's important. Verse number eight. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to this. Write number four down. He had a submissive mind. Now watch this in verse number eight. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, 
even the death of the cross. Now watch this. He who had the right to tell people what to do willingly allowed himself to be told what to do. Now let's just be honest. Our nature, <laughs> it resists correction, doesn't it? We don't like to be corrected. We don't like people to tell us what to do. And we often become defensive when somebody tells us things. And we react in a way that we feel when somebody tries to correct us, we get offended. And it made me think about that. Is anybody in here tonight that's just going to wave your hands up and say, I just want to tell you there's something that just skips in my heart when people boss me around? You're kind of weird, all right? And you don't tell the truth to begin with. But listen to this. We don't like being told what to do. It's the flesh. I mean, how long does it take for us to recognize defiance in infants? I bet if you had a time, and I bet somebody else got time, they would beat George. Kids express so vividly and so early that sometimes what they do is merely just because it was the opposite of what you say. I mean, there was one thing growing up being a kid and... You know, I did something, maybe I picked on somebody and said something and, and the kid got their feelings hurt or whatever. And I remember, you know, the teacher would always want to come to you now, you know, you, you need to apologize. You need to say that you're sorry. And I used to think, wait a minute. So they would tell you, I, I want you to go, you need to apologize. You need to tell them that you're sorry. So I'm going to say, okay. So I would go over and outwardly say, I'm sorry, but inside I still wasn't feeling that. Why? Because that was the flesh. I mean, it's like telling the kid, hey, I want you to go sit in the corner. And the kid says, okay, I'm going to go sit in the corner, but inside my heart I'm still standing up. Oftentimes when we think about that, that's how we are as Christians. You know, God's trying to tell us, hey, this is how you're supposed to live the Christian life. This is how you're supposed to do this. This is how you're supposed to do that. This is how you're supposed to. And we're like, who is he to tell me how am I supposed to live? He's the same one that died on the cross to save us from our sins. He's the mere one that created us. I mean, it's almost like identifying standards and regulations because people are more prone to break them. I mean, if you put a do not enter sign on the bathroom, it's going to make somebody enter it. Do not use this toilet. Hmm, I'm going to use it anyway. Listen to me. There is just something that... Do not eat of that tree in the Garden of Eden. You know, you can eat of every tree, but not eat of that one. And what did they do? They ate of the one that they weren't supposed to eat. They had everything that they could have, everything that they needed, but yet the one thing that they couldn't have, they desired more. The nature of man says, you put an X, and I want to mess with it. And yet the Bible says he learned obedience. Do you remember the word for learn in the Bible? It has the idea of come to the point of knowledge where it affects the way we behave. See, Jesus learned obedience. What do you mean he learned obedience? I know one thing in heaven, he didn't have to learn it. He became obedient even unto, you know what that means, obedient? All the way to the end. 
If you were Jesus, just maybe you would have said yes from the fullness of time and said yes to that virgin birth and said yes to the manger. That's not bad. And yes to be born working as a carpenter's son and joining in the family trade. And yes to even walking among earth, presenting yourself and being rejected. Yes to being disdained by the religious elite. But I wonder if you got close to the cross and to the high priest, servants started punching you in the face if you would said, all right, Lord, I said yes to 33 and almost in a half years. But this right here, I didn't sign up for this. I wonder if one of your own betrayed you and one of whom you washed his feet for 30 pieces of silver kisses you and betrayal. I wonder if you would have called him friend. I wonder when the high priest and the mockery have a fictitious nature, begin to ask you questions like, by what authority do you do this? And when Pilate asked you, what is the truth? I wonder if you would have backed down from obedience. See, we fail to realize sometimes that although Jesus was the son of God, we forget that he was God. The son that at any moment on the way to the cross could have said, never mind. And yet, all the way to where he himself had to become sent for us, who knew no sin, we think he paid for murder and he paid for rape and he paid for immorality. And 2 Corinthians 5 doesn't just say he paid for it, it said he became it. Don't substitute your theory for, for biblical words. He had made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. He didn't just pay for rape, he became a rapist for us. No wonder he cried, Eli, Eli, lama, Sebastianite. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Listen to me. No wonder he said that. God couldn't look on him because that which God hated, his son became. You remember the baptism of Jesus? You know what God said about him? I'm well pleased. You know what the Holy Spirit is doing? He's descending upon him. I believe in all my heart, Eli, Eli is my God, my God. And Jesus, while on the cross, understood that not only was God the Father turning his back on him, but God the Holy Spirit was flying away from him. My God, God the Father, my God, God the Spirit, why hast thou forsaken me? And yet, knowing the moment on the cross before he ever mounted Calvary, he obeyed even unto death. I want to ask you a question. Tell me one biblical principle that you have pumped yourself security up into thinking it is hard for you to obey when God himself became sin for you. It's too hard to do this. Christianity asks so much of me. Leadership requires too many. Are you kidding me? He, he left heaven to literally come down to the wicked earth that he created and chose to be obedient. Ladies and gentlemen, if God can choose to obey, so can we. Write this down. Number five, he was a successful mind. Look at verse number nine. Wherefore God also have highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Because he humbled himself, God honored him. Listen to me, there is coming a day when Jesus, and verse number 10, when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen to me, if they're not bowing now, they're going to bow later. And the mind of Christ took them from humility to honor. The mind of humanistic lifestyle says, go get yours, go get your honor. Huh? That's what your flesh is telling you. 
Listen to me now. When you, when you start thinking this in your mind, I can promise you it didn't come from Jesus. If they're not going to recognize me, I'm going to recognize myself. You know how we get that? That's the flesh. That's the flesh. No, nobody gives me no credit. Nobody pays me no attention. Nobody announces my name. That's the flesh. Even if they're wrong, the flesh is still telling you to make sure you let them know they were. See, the mind of Christ isn't, I don't need their recognition. If I humble myself, I'll get that recognition that matters from God. I mean, what do you want? Your name spelled right in the bulletin? Or well done at the judgment seat? See, when you think about the cross tonight, let's remember that when he hung and bled and he suffered for our sins on that old rugged cross, we celebrate the day when he paid our ransom with his blood. But there has never been a day when, when he died on Calvary unless there was a mind that took him from the crib in Bethlehem to that cross in Jerusalem. You know, you can concentrate your Christian life on big days. You know, we like the big days. We like when we have different events going on at church and, and everybody gets around it and, and we want to support it and, and we get involved in it. And we like those big days and, and we have those big days, but... But if you want to do like Jesus did and be like Jesus was, just don't try to be like Jesus on the big days. Try getting his mind every day. See, somebody, somebody tomorrow is going to get on your nerves. And watch this now. Somebody's going to get on it tonight. And you're going to have to determine whether your campaign is going to be to make sure you get yours or decide whether you're going to activate God giving yours by giving someone else theirs. See, what a church we would have and what a church every church would be if we didn't agree on uniformity. You know, that's the big thing. All of us have what we like. We, 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 we like our, our preferences. We like all the different things we enjoy certain things. I mean, we, we, we love, our, we love our, the music that we like. We, we like the way things are laid out, and we get comfortable in those things. And sometimes when we get so comfortable in the things, we forget the big picture. You know, somebody had to humble themselves to come to us. Somebody had to step out of their comfort zone because if somebody hadn't stepped out their comfort zone, we wouldn't be here tonight. You know, somebody had to say, you know what? I might not like going into that neighborhood and, and, and knocking on that door, but I know there's somebody that needs me over there. You know, there, you, when there's passing out tracks, I remember those days passing out tracks in, in the city of Philadelphia and passing them out. And I was thinking, man, every Saturday, you know, when I was a teenager from 13 years old all the way up to 18 Every Saturday, every Saturday, every Saturday, I sacrificed what I thought was my time to go out and pass out tracts because I understood something. It wasn't about me. It was about a lost and dying world. And just passing out those tracts, I remember how it all started. You know, 25 tracks, I remember. We would sit down and uh, we would have the social pastor and Brother Halstead, I remember he would 
sit down, get a group of men together, young men, and he would go through this track with us. Then at 13 years old, I, I didn't understand it, but I listened, and he said, listen, look, if we're ever going to pass out this literature, before we can pass it out, we need to know what we're passing out. And he would have us read it from cover to cover and read everything, make sure we understood it. And then if we ever got into a situation where we didn't understand, we just referred it to him. He was around. And we would pass out these tracks. And I remember 25 tracks. Man, those tracks went so quick. I was like, oh, wow. I was like, that wasn't bad at all. Then we come back. We did that for a couple weeks. And then he come back with another challenge. He goes, listen, um, I decided... You know, each of you had 25 tracks, and it started out with four guys at the time. He goes, hey, listen, um, we're going to start 50 tracks. I was like, man, 50 tracks? I mean, I, I just did pass out 25 tracks. I'm like, all right, let's do 50 tracks. So we did 50 tracks. We started passing out these tracks. Everybody had 50. Again, it started out with four. Then the next year... We had eight guys out there with us, and we had eight times 50. You can imagine, we're passing out tracks. And we're passing these tracks out. We get these tracks done. And I'm like, oh, great. Man, now we're done. I'm ready. We're going to have lunch. And then I'll be able to go home and everything because I did my obligation. A couple of weeks later, he comes back. He goes, guys, listen, we're going to do 75 tracks. I'm like, what? We just did 25, we did 50, now you want us to do 75 tracks? I'm like, I'm counting 75 times eight people. All right, now we're up to 12. Now we got 12 guys out there. It's like, man, 12 times 75. I'm like, more teenagers coming out. By the time we were done, there was like 25 of us passing out 100 tracks apiece every Saturday. And when I say we went, we went everywhere. And we passed out the tracks, and we just saw people getting saved. And people um, getting in this literature. And we, we realized something that, you know what? Our sacrifice was bigger than us. And before you knew it, we realized that, you know what, guys? We enjoyed our company. I mean, we, we'd pass out tracks, but it was more than passing out tracks. It was the fellowship that we had. It was all of us with the same mindset, with the, with the same thought, and realizing, hey, listen, yo, we, we were excited. We couldn't wait till Saturday. It started out like, okay, we're going out, we're doing this. But after a while, it was like, every Saturday we were out. And God blessed and God used that. And we don't know how many people got saved from it, but because of our willingness to get away from our comfort zone, get away from our preferences, and get back on this focus of saying that, hey, it's not about me. It's about him. It's about agreeing to be in unity and having a greater impact by having the mind of Christ. That's what it's about. When we come in Sunday mornings, when we come in Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, and all the programs that we have, it's about having the mind of Christ. It's about understanding. Even in those, it's amazing. You can have a bad day, but you come to church, man, 
is totally different. Seeing those children downstairs and working with them, seeing the teenagers out there. I mean, teenagers, man, you have just the world at your hands. You have the opportunity of a lifetime that you have no idea that what God can do in your life. I just want to encourage you tonight to have the mind of Christ and to focus on not what the world wants you to focus on, but what God would have you to focus on this evening. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I thank you. Thank you for your word tonight. I pray, Father, that it was an encouragement to your people. I pray, Lord, that they would take the word of God, Lord, and not only be hearers of it, but to be doers of it. We love you. In Jesus' precious name. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.